Hey lovelies, welcome to the journey of self-love through self-care podcast. My name is Amy Mercado and I'm the owner and creator of my brand, The Mercado Method, where I teach a variety of online fitness classes, yoga sessions, meditations, and a lot with posture as well. So if you're interested in finding out any more details, I'll put my website below and also my YouTube channel. Today's episode is kindly sponsored by Plight Club a brand whose mission is to change the attitude towards vulnerability to increase real human connection. This change starts by encouraging people to talk to each other and also enabling them the tools to be able to express how they feel and connect on a deeper level. 50% of the profit of Plight Club clothing and their coaching help to fund activities to raise awareness of the power of vulnerability and suicide prevention. They enable people to face and embrace their emotions and break the ice into deeper, more nourishing conversations. For more information or checking out Plight Club, you can head over to plightclub.co.uk. And now back to today's episode, where I am joined by Carlos Mundala. And Carlos and me, well, the first time I connected with Carlos was actually through an online training course back in 2020, where I signed up for the Yoga People's Mandala training course. And Carlos was doing all the music live whilst we was doing the Zoom sessions of yoga. After that, I then, I ended up being part of a in-person course where I got to spend time with the team and get to know you better and hear about your music and your history. And Carlos is a music producer and a composer. He runs sweat lodges, you do cacao ceremonies, and you're also now doing medicine voice ceremonies as well. So I'd love to hand over to you, Carlos, to let us know a bit more about who you are and what you're maybe up to at the moment and we can sort of see what unfolds from there yeah thank you thank you for the invitation um yeah well the, my main focus on life is through music and sound uh, may it be through sound therapy or may it be through dance uh, ancient music or em- everything in between you know electronics and yeah a- ancient instruments uh bridging through all the genres so i i really i really like like the coming together of many lines of work so in music that represents us i love doing reggae cumbia you know reggaeton electronic um, rock uh, and a lot of music that centers around personal process and music that kind of relates and encourages you know, respect and honor for life you know, in general. I'm also an Aztec dancer for around 18 years now. And since that time, I've been involved in different indigenous traditions here in Mexico. I was born and raised in the north of Mexico, Monterrey. I'm one hour from Monterrey right now. I live out in the woods uh, for the last eight years. And here we host retreats for people who come uh, spend one, two days to do, well, medicine work. Um, meditation, sweat lodges, uh, retreats centered around the use of the voice for therapeutic purposes. And with my couple, we have this project called Intua, uh, in which we host all of this, uh, not only content, but also like these retreats, ceremonies, workshops, etc. 
So that's kind of like in a notch among many other things. No? What what sort of ended up getting you into this and sharing your music and creating music? Well, I love music ever since I was a kid. The thing is, I grew up in a non-musical family, so I didn't really have any tutoring at all during during my younger years. I started actually playing when I was almost 14 years old. So I started quite, you know, late, but I was still very much passionate about it. Uh, back then, I was a, like a rock metalhead, you know, so I, I just wanted to play fast and like strong and very distortion stuff, you know, uh, and it took a lot, of, a lot of time to actually come into this pace of, yeah, using music in a meditative way. You know? For me, it was more of a release, uh, perhaps because I was very bullied when I was a kid. So for me, like it was a lot of rage that I had that I just turned that out into into metal and stuff and later on when i started working with uh, with these ceremonies traditions around 18 years ago i started incorporating more of that into my music and immediately the first song i wrote was already about a personal process that i was living of letting go of a lot of pain and resentment and all of that but music started quite late and i and i think i'm still quite like a between intermediate late amateur intermediate still you know on the way studying a lot trying to self-study because i didn't have any musical education so everything i know i've been self-studying except for indian classical music which i studied in india um, but other than that i've been yeah almost self-taught in a way how how did you self-teach stuff like that well the, um, there was a cousin that had like an old keyboard that he gave away and I started just like playing around with it and started to see oh this sounds good and then you know when internet was already available I would look at oh this is called like a major scale that's why it sounds good no like so a lot of stuff that nowadays I know because I now studied uh, music theory on my own I discovered just like listening oh this sounds interesting what is this and then two years later I would say I would you know find out oh this is called a harmonic scale oh this is called a triad this is a la, la. Like stuff like I literally didn't know that now it's so basic, no? That I teach people, and it's like in a day I teach stuff that I took me six years to learn because I didn't have any anyone teaching it to me in a way. Did you feel hungry for it though? Like you was finding more and you wanted to explore more? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember I used to rap stuff like. Uh, I remember one time, no, that we were we were on a journey with my family on the car, and every every single sign I would uh, encounter on the road, I would start rapping about that sign, no, <laughs> and trying to, you know, find words and rhythms around it. And my family were like, shh, shh, "Don't be noisy," you know, and stuff like that. So as I said, I, I grew up in a very non-musical family, um, but later on they kind of accepted it, and yeah, they kind of like grew into it a little bit. Well, considering that you've come from this non-musical family and you've had all this passion to self-teach yourself music and explore and experiment from someone that doesn't know too much about music, what I can say is the music that you shared with us when we was on our online teacher training and also 
the in-person teacher training you created such amazing almost like roller coaster moments throughout the practice of the yoga the practices of the breath work the practices of the meditations and I'd love for you to share a little bit more about how you work with the yoga people what connected you guys and what's your intentions with the music when you all work together so well brief history when i when i was starting my professional career which is i'm a biomedical engineer by by you know career but i've never really worked on it one i just worked for six months in a hospital and then i realized that it's it's not for me because i was already very much involved into natural and, and traditional medicine um so i at, at that same time i was uh, also studying audio engineering because i already had a, like a proper career my family said okay you can do whatever else you want as long as you pursue this professional career no so i started studying audio engineering on the side and uh, so i had a little studio back home uh, which i started like you know getting my stuff like my microphones and stuff and one time Dulce had like a, i met her in a traditional medicine workshop and then she was living in London and she needed some papers and I didn't really know her like, like a friend. No, she was just an acquaintance and she needed some papers and no one could bring them to her. Uh, she has several friends. And once I was with a friend of hers that took a phone call from Dulce and said, Hey, I need you to come to London to bring me some papers. And this friend said, no, I don't have a, a, a visa. Back then you could only travel through the U S no? and you need, you need a visa as a Mexican to go through the U.S. to wherever you want to go to. And she said, oh, but here's Carlos. Will, would you mind going? Yeah, sure, I'll go. So I went over there. I met Jamie. We made friends. I had a great relationship with them. And in their training over there, there was a guitar. And in the Shabasanas, I would play the guitar. No? And then they say, hey, when we go to Monterrey, let's do something together. So they came over here. And they decided to record a, like a... Ashtanga Primary Series album. No, so it was the Ashtanga Primary Series and I did like a musical background for it. And then I did like a special track for them at the end. So two years later, they come back to Monterrey and, and they say, hey, I, we're having a, a training. We would like you to, to play live at the training. And I've never done that before. So I said, okay, what do you, what do you guys want? Oh, we want you to kind of DJ. I said, well, I've never DJed before. <laughs> But okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try it, no? So it was kind of like an experiment. Experiment. They had a lot of instruments and I was looping and stuff and then putting songs that they loved. And that was the first experiment. It kind of worked. I mean, back then it was okay. And they said, okay, we want you on more trainings. It was cool. People loved it. They were very enthusiastic about it. So I started working more and more with them. And over the years, uh, I started learning about yoga because I didn't know anything about yoga. And uh, talking with Dulce and realizing that the mandala is based a lot on elemental principles and philosophy, which we work on, 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 on traditional medicine, Mexican medicine. Um, so we kind of started putting together intentions, no? And like, okay, what kind of music relates to what kind of element? No? And I started like watching the classes more and more and see, okay, here's a peak moment. Here's a break. Here's you know, uh, release. So I started 
collecting music over the years and trying to flow those songs through the intention of the class no yeah it was it was an experiment and slowly slowly it became like a a style that i now i now continue to do in in every training but it took it took some years no but yeah. now i'm pretty happy with the result and for me it's about making it not only something to keep the tempo for example on the man on the mandala i always keep the same tempo almost always and actually one of my secrets is i almost always keep the same key as well during the whole practice which for example in indian classical music is is basic no you, you have the same key the sa the the shruti the the or the main swara you know that, that accompanies the whole piece and that puts your mind into a trance state because you're kind of like looping in the same frequency but also on the same tempo especially when you're doing already dynamic you know and that helps to keep you in a trance and helps keep the energy going, no? Wow. So there's a few key points that I've learned or experimented during the years that I've seen that they work. And yeah, so that's some of the things that I think make the practice more enjoyable or expansive. Yeah, it, it, it almost it felt like I was almost coming up and then going down and there'd be moments when I'd cry or there'd be moments when I'd be laughing so it was like a whole journey within a practice which when we then did it live with you it it enhanced it even more being in that energy and I guess it'd been a few quite a few years I think three years since the online training and it was so it was so inspiring oh thank you so you mentioned as well when you were younger though it helped like with the music move like anger or like rage and I just wondered, how do you work with music now with your emotions? Well, almost all the songs that I write that I write have to do with a personal process, especially like the older ones. The new ones are more about prayers, no, or like uh, things that are not as mine, but about processes of other people, and. But I always try to keep like that line, you know, I, I, I don't do songs out of, I mean, I do play obviously and I do laugh and I do try to be comical sometimes when I'm alive, like playing on, with an audience and stuff. But I try that my songs always are in a way relatable to people's growth processes, no? because we've all been through several stuff. So, for example, there's a, there's a song that is really, like, really painful uh that I, that is called depression no? and it's a time of my life that i was really really depressed uh, because i couldn't speak for three months i had my my jaw locked uh, after a very intense surgery that of of the jaw and so that song it was like you know just putting out this pain that i was living and just putting it in a song and that's it no and then there was other songs where I felt really in love and really, you know, expansive and I love everyone and this, you know, hippie state. So, okay, this is a song of this state of, of emotion, no? So in kind of like every step of the way, the thing I was living, I was trying to put in the song or maybe something I was hearing from, you know, elders or learning about certain type of ceremony uh, there's a song that I talk about specifically, an ayahuasca ceremony, which was very intense. Uh, and I never mentioned the word ayahuasca. The thing that I 
I try to not make things so obvious. Yeah, I try to make it, you know, it's a process you don't really know that I'm talking about mushrooms or that I'm talking about peyote or that I'm talking about ayahuasca or I'm talking about depression or the death of a loved being. You know? I'm kind of like moving around it, let's say, without saying the words that make it as obvious. Do you use these sort of songs in medicine ceremonies or do you then play live well, some of them are more for like life stages. For example, there's a project that I was in for many years, which is Rap the Loose, and which is Rap of Light. No, yeah, Rap of Light. So it was a hip hop experimental band where we uh, we talked about many subjects that were not really talked about in Mexican rap. You know, which was about indigenous cultures, about ancient traditions. Um, about that, like personal processes or about, you know, social struggles. Um, so it was it was a really cool time in which we were in stages and it was very energetic, no? And like, ah, so it's songs that were perhaps per perhaps of protest or, you know, pointing out things about government or whatever. And then there was these songs about very deep, like intimate stuff, no, that we all would write about. And... So, for example, the intimate ones do fit into a ceremony, let's say, but the most intense or processed ones are obviously not that much. Same as with my songs. Some of them, I, they don't really fit in a ceremonial context because perhaps they're too weird or the music, I don't know, I, I can't put it into a yeah, ceremonial context. Uh, but many others do fit very well or were created out of those experiences. So I... I do share some of them I've never sung live, um, but because perhaps in total there's like a hundred songs that I've recorded and and published, no? plus many others that I've never recorded or never published. That's so, that's yeah. amazing that you've written so many and published so many. How does it feel to know that you've created that? I don't know. It just feels very natural. Yeah. I, yeah. I just like doing it and. I just love creating. I mean, it's, it's the the compositions. Most of them are quite simple. I would say that the most complicated ones are the first ones because I was just experimenting a lot. So if I if I try to reproduce it, like I once tried to play with a band, you know, my old very old songs, and the band was really struggling, and there were eight people. No, and they're like, man, this is just so weird. Like there's so many changes and in instruments, and I mean. Yeah, it seems very advanced, but it was because I was a newbie and I was just experimenting with stuff. And some stuff was, uh, without thinking about it, they, they were becoming very complicated, like time-wise and stuff like that, like key signatures that were really weird for people. Uh, but nowadays I go more into like easy, playable, singable songs, no? like things that are more relatable for people and that they can listen to and sing uh, whereas as before it was yeah kind of more experimental things and tell us because you you talk about like medicine voice what mm -hmm. what does that mean to like what what does that mean or what does someone sort of come and experience in something like that well it changed from many names before that I used to call it uh, well, in Spanish, I don't know how to say it in English, resonar sanando, which is like healing through resonance, basically. Uh, because what I started to learn through the years is that I used to judge myself a lot 
about singing because actually in, in the in the band I when I was in the band I didn't really sing no I was I love writing and I love rapping and I love singing but I didn't really have any technique at all because again I never took classes until I was very very old like in the last maybe five years I, I started taking cl singing classes um, so it went from that just using the voice as a way to communicate stuff and more and more I started learning about how the resonance or the movement of the voice could change my emotional state really quick you know and the more I went into sound therapy, like eight, nine years till now, I started learning more about, uh, for example, mechanic resonance and acoustic resonance and how that not only makes me feel better, but it can also actually bring into harmony different organs of the body or different bodily functions. No, That in a way, finally, I started bridging the biomedical engineer, you know, the guy that studied all this engineering math, mathematicians you know physics electrics and all of that with the musician and that uh, let's say a traditional medicine person no? so it's for me finally bridging these two and it's through the most uh, the easiest tool for us to all use because it's natural and it's god-given which is our voice no? and how by doing this very Easy, most of them practices, you can bring yourself back into a space of peace or tranquility or even activation, you know, or simply like an exploration of your own consciousness and, and emotional waves through through the voice. So um, even though I'm not properly a, a you know a, a trained singer, I do experiment a lot with the voice. I try to always use different parts of my voice. Um, which is very cool. I think if I would have studied, you know, music or singing in a in a university, I wouldn't do what I do now, because mm -hmm. I really like, play a lot with it, no. And I'm always looking for different sounds and resonances and stuff that go out of the norm, no. Like uh, if a singing teacher will listen to me, would go, oh no, that's not correct, no. Like you're doing this, which is not. Yeah, it's not correct. But in a, for example, in a ceremony or in a medicine process, it's where you need to open your boundaries and maybe reach into other dimensions, which you cannot do if you're constrained by your university technique, to call it in a way. You know? So the medicine voice workshop for me is just putting everything I've learned during the years about uh, vibration, resonance. Uh, harmonies about uh, overtones and, yeah, and different ways that you can use the voice and different uh, parts of your not only the the vocal cords or the or the the mouth but all of the body that you can use to project sound you no know, for that purpose for your own therapy and as well for sharing with others do you see transformations in people like with confidence or courage? And is there resistance when people are asked to use their voice as well? Well, there is almost always resistance. For example, in our ceremonies, we always ask, invite others to sing. And many times people are like, they feel ashamed, no? Or I don't know, nervous about it. But almost always when they come to the workshop is because they want to do it. So it's already they're already open and willing to, to do the, the work. And for me, it's very rewarding 
seeing them after a few months, not only, you know, with a better voice, you know, more tuned or more powerful, but them telling me like, wow, now I'm singing in front of people and I feel super empowered and now I'm improvising and now I'm doing this and, and I see their evolution. And for me, that is very powerful. And even during the workshop, there's people that break into tears and say, I've never felt so moved or I never, you know, felt so much connection with myself just by staying in a single note for 10 minutes, no? Something that is quite simple, but you don't do it in your daily life. Mm -hmm. But when you, you do it in, in a group, which is more powerful because obviously the, the, the resonance is higher, it's more, yeah, there, there's more voices. It just becomes, it becomes therapeutic. In a singing circle, there's always this element of connection with others, not only about how you resonate with your own voice and, and embrace that which perhaps has been suppressed by many years. I believe, and I think in the UK, it's kind of like the same in, in, in Mexico, at least in northern Mexico, which is quite rigid. It's like that, like you don't sing if you're not a singer, mm. you know, or you don't dance if you're not a dancer. Like why are why are you playing this if you don't if you if you didn't study this you know, and I believe that singing or using the voice is a God given gift that it, every human has and if they are willing to they can use for that purpose for their own healing or for accompanying others. Uh, it's like a lullaby that a mother sings even though she's never sing if she starts humming it can be very you know peaceful for the baby pacifying for for the baby so um, many sounds that we do during the day or when we're feeling pain or when we're feeling anger or sadness these sounds they are there for a reason they're they're not random sounds there's a reason why we all do very similar sounds where we're sad or where we're angry or where we're concerned it's because these sounds relate you know they they, they are res resonating literally vibrating with this emotion so we express them and therefore it calms the body or it helps the body through the process and this is something you know that all people in wellness will relate to when you don't speak a process that you're going through it usually becomes harder and harder to process and to let go of and to transmute and you know go on with your life the moment you start speaking about it but not only speaking it but also like feeling it through the void like you know, these kind of sounds they they have a purpose of being it, and it's, it's the body wisdom that is speaking literally to help you through that process mm -hmm. so how can we intentionally and consciously use that for us and for others i mean learning to use the voice for me has been quite I guess the same it was it was just never something that we was told was okay to do it was almost like I needed permission to say you can use mm -hmm. your voice and then in the session you did with us you got us all to sing our name in the circle and by this point I'd been doing quite a lot of work on myself and I just thought sod it I'm just gonna I don't think I'm gonna be judged and trying to let that go and then but there was so much nervousness and oh I don't know I don't know and then when it came around I was like just just do it and it, it's okay yeah I, there's been a lot of repression I think around the use of our voice because not only are we expected to sound good when we sing uh, but also you know is for example don't speak if you're not when you're a kid you know or in school or in certain family 
um, occasions or like don't speak if you're not spoken to or as a woman some sometimes especially in the past no it's like you don't have a voice in this place and like that specifically you don't have a voice no mm -hmm. that phrase i think at least we all of us have been told that at least once you know in in this room you don't have a voice in this whatever no this class in this group in this company like and and i feel like that goes to the to the unconscious and it's like no how can i speak how can i how can i raise my voice if if perhaps it's not valued if perhaps it is judged if i believe i don't know how to sing you no know, there's many beliefs uh, around around using our voice and i think that was, that's why nowadays so many teachers and facilitators are focusing on this i i think it's like a just like yoga has come up for many years i think now also like vocal expression is gaining a lot of popularity just like plant medicine is gaining a lot of popularity because actually they go hand by hand um the tool that is used on all ancient ceremonies in all plant medicines is the voice that's mm. practically i would say the only tool that is universal there's always a voice that accompanies the process through singing or through melody no for example mm. in the in the inipi or the sweat lodge you have this for example the lakota songs with Some of them have words, some of them don't, but they're melodies, no? In India, you have the ragas, but you also have this sustained sad, this sustained shruti. Om, the oming is, is a toning, an ancient way of toning. In ayahuasca sessions, for example, the zikaros, which is through whistling. And then they start singing, no? The maracames in the witch old peyote ceremonies, they start singing to the fire. They're improvising. They're talking to the fire. They're literally saying, hey, Grandpa Fire, hey, Amy is here. Amy is coming to you. Please help her, Grandpa Fire. Today she's very, very, she's feeling very worried because her sister is sick. You know, and they're singing this. And but they're not talking it. They're singing it. There's a, there's a, a reason why the melody plays a role because the, the melody is like moving through different colors if you want to see it like that like a painter no you're not just painting black and white you're mm. moving through colors you're actually giving like a like a picture more realism more power when when you're using when you're using that toned voice which at the end singing is sustained speech Like mm. if I just start to elongate what I'm saying, it's already singing. So when I say, well, you can speak, you can sing. It's the same, exactly the same thing. You're just elongating it, the vocals, basically. The vowels, sorry. <laughs> it, it feels, it all, even when you're just talking about talking into the fire, it straight away makes, even though you were talking about something that would have been quite maybe heavy for that, like for me, that person, it straight away brought that lightness to it to sort of, it, I, I felt like something was, it, it could clear something um, by having that playfulness with the voice. Yeah. And I, actually what helps the most when I say to people, they say, no, I don't know any songs. I don't know how to sing. I say, what, what songs do you remember from your childhood? And most people go directly to, I don't know, like a, lion king song or <laughs> something like that and it just comes out very naturally because they used to sing it when they were kids and when you were a kid you you didn't feel judged you didn't feel like you 
have to perform for anyone. It was just like, ah, playing around. So all the exercises that I tried to do, I tried to do from this very playful state, like, hey, let's imagine that we're Mickey Mouse. So now we're using a head voice. No, ha, ha. Now let's talk about like, we're this kind of character. And, it, you know, and okay, we're discovering different restaurants through, through play, and which takes a lot of the, you know, the rigidness or the, the seriousness out of that. And it brings more the child, which the inner child is more willing to experiment than the adult. The adult is usually more afraid of making mistakes. Mm -hmm. Very true. Well, for me. <laughs> and <laughs> um, with the sweat lodges as well. So you said, do you do them as part of like the medicine ceremonies or are they like separate? And how people go into one and how people maybe come out of one, do you see big shifts? Yeah, for some people, they are easier. For others, it's like a very intense transformational process. At least for me, my first one was like life-changing, you know? Um, I think it's with the, with the sweat lodge, it can trigger certain stuff, circumstances, situations, maybe from the past. For example, usually it's completely pitch black. So for some people, just being in a dark place just feels they start feeling maybe afraid or alone and just feeling the heat. Uh, it can just like cold, no? Like cold plunges are like the thing right now. So this is like the other the other way around. It's done ritually. So I always say, well, if you've ever done a steam room, but it's dark. And we're praying and singing. So that like that takes away a lot of the mysticism around it. And like, okay, we're we're gonna be sweating with steam, but we're gonna be praying while we're doing it. We're gonna put an intention and we're gonna be all together, you know, focusing our minds, focusing our hearts, and we're gonna be singing these songs that are very easy to follow. And most people start singing in sweat lodges because it is actually the only the only, but it's the most a useful way to go through them because when you're singing your mind goes out of like oh i'm feeling hot i'm feeling you know crammed or whatever and you just go into the song and the song takes you and empowers you and suddenly at the beginning everyone's afraid and by the end of the song everyone everyone's celebrating and wow feeling all <laughs> hyper because music does that you know it, it lifts the spirit especially these kind of songs that are for accompanying sweat lodges so what's something that you're most passionate about at the moment mm, i don't know i think it changes a lot but what i do love doing the most what we love doing the most is cacao ceremonies okay uh, which which are also mushroom ceremonies with cacao and uh, i love being at that place of openness of vulnerability and singing doing music for me that's that's one of the most beautiful things but i also love still love you know playing on stages it's a totally different energy you know in a ceremony it's more like subtle most of the time it's more subtle and more like tender and like this caring voice that is accompanying you through the process and on stage you're like jumping and screaming and ah it's the total opposite no it's like yin and yang so i i love both i love the energy of being on a stage which i, I i've been lucky of being on huge stages on, on my life and at the same time I also love being in a 10 person ceremony very intimate and just like accompanying someone through their process 
So I think both are very valuable. The last year I've been doing more and more and more sound baths as well. Even though I've done it for many years, this year has become like I've been searched more for doing it. Um, and I love that as well. Uh, something again, very yin, not to the, or, to the completely other side. But I also am very, very passionate still, even though I don't practice it that much, about Aztec dancing and like uh, traditional uh, rhythms, no, like ancient indigenous rhythms and the energy that it goes into the like drum and all of that. That we did a little bit of Aztec dancing, I remember, with your group. Yes. Um, so, how would you explain the the dancing to those listening? So, the dancing is a very, very old ritual in which uh, everyone is on sync. Everyone's doing exactly the same rhythm. Like your feet are doing what the drum is doing. Your hands are doing what the drum is doing. So imagine you have a hundred people, everyone doing the exact same rhythm. So it just creates like this vortex of energy that everyone goes into. So one goes to the left, everyone goes to the left. The one that leads, no? The, the one that is in the center goes to the front, everyone goes to the front. So it becomes like this. If you see it from the sky, it's like this mandala coming in and out and moving to certain directions. So for me, it's like, everyone connecting with the same heart. That's why we call the drum is that the heart, no? Because it's beating and everyone's on the same beat, following, doing exactly the same beat, not like complementing it, you know? Everyone's just vibrating on the same frequency, literally. So it is a very powerful ritual dance and it represents elements of nature. Some movements represent fire, others represent water, others represent the eagle, others represent, I don't know, the hummingbird. There's many different movements and all of them have uh, a symbolism behind it. So it's it's very beautiful. And there's many things about the Aztec dance. It's a, it's a big subject, but in general, it's this dance that connects the community, that engages with everyone from kids to old people, and that we're all, all on the same like movement we call it a flower in movement would be the like the translation of the ancient name flower moving flower they each relate also to like different aspects of ourselves. so for example the masculine the feminine the father and the mother you know, we all have a father we all have a mother but we all have an inner masculine and an inner feminine so these are the four things that are are always there uh, playing no and in for example when we work with that with the cross uh, we work with a masculine aspect which is the mental we work with the feminine aspect which is uh, the emotional we work with the ancestors or those who have been before us or fathers grandparents etc which uh, we could say is more like the 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 spiritual and we have the this uh, inner child no like this passionate driving energy which is very physical no that helps us go through things and it relates to like the wisdom of the body that is innate to all human beings no since you're a child your body has a huge wisdom that allows us to survive no? so I think it's like seeing what aspect of us is out of balance and trying to bring it more in, in, into balance. 
what would you say is your your go-to though if things are like if you wanted a reset if you're feeling I don't know if you ever feel a bit stuck or um, unsure what your next steps are for example what would be something that you may step into or lean into to help that with that mm. well obviously plant medicine has always been part of my life for the last 20 years or so so um yeah definitely i try to consult with plants um the plants that i work with the most are peyote and mushrooms but um yeah the ones i feel more related to and um, but uh, i mean musical always makes me feel at home like mm -hmm. when i just started playing or composing or recording i know i'm in a flow state because i can not eat not drink not sleep for you know <laughs> sometimes days and and i just feel so energized and i feel so wow. you know full of life so for me yeah that's definitely it music is again is it's been what has literally saved my life and i say literally because it has like saved my life from being either killed or yeah other stuff so to that point no of being threatened by you know in mexico there's many dangerous people and yeah music has saved me in many ways emotionally physically spiritually has brought me back to a connection with the divine which i lost i was very 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 religious when i was a child i i wanted to be a priest that was my like thing when i was a child i wanted to be a priest and then i decided to go on another path and i think I started going back to spirituality through in through indigenous traditions but it was like the songs that really drew me in no like being everyone in a circle and everyone singing the songs it brought me back to that time in the church when everyone is singing together and for me those were the most beautiful times no and I realized that well for me then God is vibration God is sound everything in creation is made by vibration so if vibration is the source of creation, then for me, God is vibration and therefore it can be expressed and it moves through sound, through music, especially when it has that intention of creation. Mm. So do you feel, it sounds like it brings you back home to you. Yeah, totally. Like it's, it's very interesting because actually when, when I'm feeling really down, I actually struggle to sing. Wow. Because because I'm, I'm feeling, you know, stressed or con constrained or depressed or sad or whatever. And it, it, it takes some effort to sing, but it actually helps me go through it. It brings me back to a place of neutrality. It, it doesn't mean that it's like it comes naturally, but if I use it as a tool, it brings me back to that place and it, just, and it keeps me there, you know? So I, I know when I'm happy because I'm singing. Like when, when I'm feeling good, I'm singing. And when I'm feeling down, I stop speaking. I, you know, I go into silence and I realize that that's my body constraining itself. So I have to consciously open it up to bring it into balance. Do you find that you catch it quite quickly now when you're noticing that you're sort of constricting and going inwards in that sort of vibration? Yeah. You know, if I'm feeling like if I'm going through a tough process, like it's something very personal for me to go to a side and do by myself, you know, these practices. 
and then I can come back and share my voice with others. But unless it's in a, in a ceremony where I'm, you know, facilitating and in a way my process has to do with others as well, because many times when you're facilitating, you know, that you take in or you start feeling what others are feeling. So giving voice sound to that process of others sometimes helps them as well and me in the in the you know in the process and so now you're you're a dad as well how yeah. do how do you bring the singing and the voice in with your relationship with your child well i, I sing to him a lot and actually the times were there are many times that i that i have been like about to explode that i <laughs> Like this is too much. I cannot handle this anymore. And when I, I actually, what I do is start, I start humming. Mm. And that keeps my mind like keeps my mind on the vibration instead of the crying or the you know ah, the struggling with with him. No, um, I remember one time that I spent almost two hours trying to get him to sleep, and he was just crying like crazy. And I was only humming the whole time, and that helped me not go crazy. You know. And at the end, I don't know if it helped him. <laughs> I, I hope so. But at least it'll help me. And, and if I can stay calm, which it not is not always, no, but I try to most of the time stay calm, um, then I help in a way by regulating myself, I help regulating him. Mm. And the only tool that sometimes I have for regulating myself, if I, if, I have, if I have nothing or no one that can help me, sometimes the only thing I can do is, you know, use my voice. And sometimes it's very tendering and sometimes I just need to, you know, scream into a pillow or something <laughs> <laughs> and let that, that all, all that chaos come out and then I can okay, come back to myself, no? But the, the thing, like how how appropriate in society is it for us to scream it's not it's not really it's frowned upon but it is something that can be extremely liberating and sometimes that's all we need i mean and sometimes we do we do other stuff we start drinking alcohol or we start i don't know doing harm to ourselves in, in some other ways or to others when sometimes all we need to do is release that and for me, it was it was a game changer. I remember like four years ago that I was uh, feeling super, 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 super stressed about something else. And I remember I was in my car. I was feeling so much and I wanted to explode. And I realized like, dude, you're by yourself like in, in the car. No one's going to listen to you. And I just started screaming, like ah, screaming, 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 screaming for well, like one minute. And after that, I was like, oh. Oh my God, that feels so much better. Like I, it, br it brought me down, you know, again, to a, to a place of neutrality. Because when you're feeling very energized and you try to say to someone, oh, sing something soft, it's not going to happen, you know? So you need to compensate in a way what's going on. And if you're feeling super angry and, you know, stressed, sometimes what you need is that vibration needs to happen. That explosion needs to happen for you to calm down again. Um, so I remember once, uh, just on, as an example, we were doing a training in Thailand with the yoga people, and it was around pattern work. And I remember we they were they were 
dealing, you know, mother and father stuff, and some people were feeling super angry, super angry, no? And I remember Jamie said, like, okay, get them to release that. And I said, well, we're in the middle of a place with, you know, there's a restaurant and stuff. I cannot get them, you know, screaming or hitting stuff here. They need, they need to release the anger, and, and it's not going to happen through, you know, playful dancing or whatever. They need to actually release that anger. So there was a pool. I said, okay, we're all going to go to the pool. At the same time, we're all going to scream our lungs out inside of the pool. And it was like, you know, like that, less than a minute, and people would come out, and then at the end, they're like, wow, I feel so much better. <laughs> I did all of that there. I said, just like kick and, you know, punch and everything inside the water and just scream. And that was a very, you know, harmless way of letting that anger out. And on the next session, Jamie said, like, wow, these guys were a lot calmer than they were on, on the session before this, no? Yeah, that's such a great idea. I do I do scream in the car a lot, and sometimes it just comes out in public now. I just let it. Um, <laughs> I got really pissed off at the airport the other month, and I was just like, I, it was like a, and it just come out, and nobody even looked, and I thought, I'm just going to keep going. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. I, do, I do feel that it's, I don't think I ever released anger I can't I don't have any any memories of really losing my shit as a child or as a teenager it was always I'd deal with everything with food so I'd just eat my way through dealing with it or alcohol or drugs yeah yeah I think most of us have have managed it like that because we didn't have I mean we didn't have tools as kids so Mm. I think most of our generation didn't grow up with emotional intelligence so when we became teenagers, we managed it in very destructive ways, no? And now as adults, we're still like carrying on some of these practices uh, by inertia, but learning to little by little start to gather new tools to use. And something is very hard because we go into this autopilot, no? We, that yeah. we have to be patient and compassionate, you know, about that. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a lot of patience, compassion and forgiveness at the moment, I don't know, for me personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you want to let us know what's maybe coming up over the next couple of months for you as well? So like sharing any workshops or anything that's like up there that maybe people might be interested in joining or checking out? I mean, the thing that is happening right now is tomorrow. 10th of October, we start the, the Medicine Voice Workshop, which is four workshops into one. So anyone can join whichever they want, if they want to join one specific one. So I broke it into different sections. So if they're interested in one section, they can go just into that or take the whole workshop. No, uh, My couple, Michelle, is also doing a Dancing Mudra workshop. Um, so she's a dancer and she studied a lot of mudras. And now she's like creating this method of mudras moving no because she's also studying uh, indian classical dancing so it's like a kind of like her creation no? and how to integrate that into meditation and stuff and in i think in january we're doing a, a, another generation of expansive art which is our ceremony facilitation training so people that are interested in facilitating spaces for others like uh, ceremonial spaces or sacred spaces or maybe just for them to gather new tools to use in their own life. That's where we put like a lot of what we learned in, you know, in this ceremonial path and traditional medicine and stuff. And 
directly with cacao because it's the the one we've been using for many years now. Um, so that's a very interesting training. Some people have taken it not to facilitate, but as a process itself. Um, it's a process of, of seven ceremonies with a lot of theory, but each ceremony works with a different aspect that we were talking about, the masculine, the feminine, the ancestors, the child, the father, the mother, and the heart. No? Um, so that's that's a, a really cool one. Yeah, other than that, for in, for English-speaking friends, that's that's kind of it until March that I'm going to India uh, to do the mandala. Uh, yeah, and perhaps maybe in summer we go back to Europe. We'll see about that. We we, we did a small tour this this year. Uh, let's see if we we are able to do one the next as well. Well, thank you so much for your time today, thank and you. I'll pop all your details below as well. And that course that's starting tomorrow. Um, can people also do it? Is it online? It's online and it's all recorded. Um, in the in the future, it'll be all pre-recorded with a you know more more stuff. And what I do is simply uh, give access like uh, with a lot of discount for people who are taking it live. Which mm -hmm. live is really cool because there's a lot more interaction, no? And later it'll just be like a, this online course that you take on a platform. Um, but I really like the this connection and hearing other people's voices and everyone singing together. For me, that's very powerful. So I'm hoping to do more like this. Mm. Uh, but tomorrow is the first one, and I'm very, very excited about it. Mm. I was asking because by, by the time someone's listening to this, then tomorrow would have been. So if they want to catch ah, up on yeah. it, they can then get it and do it in their own time and then there'll be an opportunity yes. in the future to join the live sessions as well yes exactly so oh. it starts the 10th of october and it finishes until the 31st so it's uh four weeks amazing and they can jump in whenever they wanted if they wanted to do something a few weeks down the line yes totally they can join in the last one if they want only or you know take the all the recordings and do the last one however they prefer okay amazing Okay, well, thank you again. And thank you. yeah, thank you. And I will get all your details below. So if people want to jump onto any of the sessions or check out the training that's coming up for next year. And I'll also pop some of your music links below as well because they definitely need to be heard and shared because they are amazing. And nice. um, thank you again, Carlos, for your time today and sharing so much with us. For those listening as well, click those links below, check out the music, check out the workshops coming up and wherever you may be or whatever you're up to, have an amazing day, have an amazing evening, sending you all so much love and we will catch you again soon for our next episode.